Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. I'll begin to read in verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which are heard, have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For unto angels, had he not put in subjection the world to come, where all we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Are the Son of Man that thou visit him. Thou madest him a little lower than angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put it all sub subject, subjects under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than angels, for the suffering of death, crown of glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bring many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that is sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto them, my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and favor high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we come now in these next few moments. We pray for the wisdom and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I dare not stand here this morning and say anything on my own. I only want to say what you'd have me to say that we might reach somebody's heart for you, that you might get glory and honor out of everything we see and do. Let somebody that needs to be saved today understand this great message. 
that somebody's discouraged, somebody just needs lifting while they understand this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 3, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? In verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Therefore, and it talks about because of what we just read in chapter 1. If you go back and read the whole chapter 1 of Hebrews, it talks about Jesus is better. He's better than angels. He's better than principalities, power. He's better than anything that's ever been on the face of this earth. And then he comes down in verse 1 of chapter 2, and he said, Being we know that, therefore, we are to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Now notice, this verse says in verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So this verse here says, How shall we escape? Now, uh, we are to be concerned about escape. There must be something to escape from then. There must be something bad I don't want to experience. There must be something awful I don't want to go through. God in His Word tells me there is a way to escape that awful thing the Bible speaks of. And that awful thing is hell. How shall we escape this awful place called hell if we neglect so great salvation? A lot of people say, I don't believe in hell. And how can I go to a place I don't even believe in? Now try this for just a minute. Stand on a railroad track, if you would please, and say, I don't believe in trains, and see if it won't run over you. Amen? I'm not going to do that. Amen? Now here's a wonderful thing to think about. God gives us a means of escape. Note the words again, how shall we escape if? Now if is a big word, although there are only two little letters. If I do this, it will turn out that way. Notice now, it's a pivotal word in our lives, meaning we need to be careful about what we do. Then note, how shall we escape if we neglect? Did you ever notice it didn't say reject? It just says neglect. Meaning, most people don't end up in hell because they reject the fact that Jesus is God or because they reject the fact that Jesus that there is a heaven or that there is a hell. It's because they reject the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. Most people I've ever talked to or believe, uh, believe there is a God, there is a heaven, there is a hell, and the Bible is the Word of God. Most people believe those things. I even believe most people believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that He was buried and He rose again the third day. Most people will not end up in hell because they reject those facts. Now watch this. But notice, it's because they neglected these facts. They believe everything that yet they say, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to get saved. One of these days I'm going to get right with God. Just putting it off, they neglect. Then notice something else is taught here. This verse says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Did you know the very word salvation indicates an emergency? When we talk about someone being saved, 
that indicates an emergency situation. Somebody responded correctly to the emergency, and because they did, somebody's life is saved. Now, a boy fell into a Tampa, into Tampa Bay. I know some of you remember this several years ago off the bridge. His best friend responded to him, jumped in to save his life from drowning, but he couldn't. The boy drowned, but he tried. Now, suppose you fall in the river and you can't swim. I've done that. You say, uh, somebody save me. Now, it wouldn't be important to you if they responded. I'll get around it someday just as soon as I can. And they just go on with their life. Now watch. Suppose you were trapped in a burning 10-story building. The fire truck arrives. They get out the hose. Then the ladder. Then just look around a while. And then hook up the water hose. No hurry whatsoever. Now, the only thing a person in a burning building is concerned about is somebody get me out of this thing. Somebody save me. Save, salvation, carries with it. This is an emergency. When the building's gone uh, and you with it, then it's too late. Now watch. When God uses this word salvation in this verse, He chose it very carefully simply because He wants us to understand that this thing of getting ready for heaven is an emergency. It's not something I can play around with. I read the other day where when the bombing of the Olympics in Atlanta took place, it was about 28 minutes. Think about this for a second. 28 minutes from the time they found the package until it exploded. And yet... They showed on TV, I was watching some of this, and they showed on TV that people still were wandering around near the thing and weren't worried about it at all. And they didn't try to vacate the area or nothing. 28 long minutes, and yet several were killed simply because they neglected the warning. Sometime, something else is taught here. Notice the word how. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape if we treat this emergency indifferently? If we act like it's no big deal? The answer, of course, is you cannot. People who go to hell will never get out of it. You're there forever. Now, I want to say something. Don't you listen? Three things very important. How shall we escape if we neglect great salvation. God's salvation is so great because it is purchased at so great a price. Now I say to people all the time, salvation don't cost you one thing. I talk to people and they say, if I get saved, I'll have to give up. And they're always talking about they have to give up their friends or have to give up position in life or they have to give up something. And I say to them, not on your life. You don't have to give up anything to get saved. And Jesus said plain in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to save your soul. God gave His only begotten Son. Now watch this. You don't have to give up anything. But the great price of salvation is that God gave His everything. He gave His only beloved Son. Jesus said, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. God gave His Son. Jesus laid down His life, but not for just good people, but bad people. 
sinners like you and I. God who is holy and without sin, pure and clean, died on the cross for you and I, sinners. That's the ultimate cause. Greater love had no man than this than lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus laid down his life for friends. Number two, God's salvation is so great because it provides so great deliverance. The Bible plainly teaches there is a literal hell, a lake of burning fire. Luke 16, the rich man died and went there tormented in flame. Now, do everything for just a drop of water if you're there. Now, note something else is taught. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and adulterers and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second day. Now, I'll never understand anyone who will put off God's salvation when they know where they're going and who they're going to be living around. I thank God every day where I live. I live back here in the woods and I don't have anybody around me. I mean, my next door neighbors is off over yonder somewhere, up on the hill to some more neighbors. But right around me, I don't have any. And I thank God I don't have no bunch of people that's crooks and robbers and, and staying up at night and playing loud music and doing all kind of crazy things near my house. I thank God I'm like, how would you like to be around people that turn the music up so loud you can't have a half a dozen dogs that bark so loud that you can't even sleep and, and just bother you all night long and everything else in the world? Now let me give you something. If you die and go to hell, brother, you're going to have some of the awfulest people in all creation and all existence of this earth living next door to you. Listen to what the Bible says. You'll have abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, Idolaters, liars, and all have part in the lake of fire. Amen? They'll be right there with you. I don't want to go there. If nothing else, I don't want to go there because who's going to be there? Now watch something. God's salvation is so great because, number one, it was purchased for so great a price. Number two, it provides so great deliverance. Number three, God's salvation is so great because of the great inheritance that it provides. It delivers me from hell, but it also gives me inheritance to heaven. Listen now. A place where a pearl is the gate thereof. Streets paved with pure gold. The walls of that city are made with ever-precious stone. A place where no sickness, no sin, no tears, no heartache, no death will ever be there, according to Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Now, one other thing before I finish on listen. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The answer, of course, is you cannot. No one will know how long they have to live. God said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Remember, remember this, please. No one plans on going to hell. I don't think... Not many people plan on dying. I was talking to somebody the other day that said they already have their, their burying place and where they're going to be buried. They already have their headstone ready, already have it carved out. The only thing they don't have on it is the date that they're going to die. 
You know why they can't do that? Because they don't know when they're going to die. Now, you can make all the preparations you want to. I had a good friend of mine that moved to Tennessee. He said, I'm going to go up to Tennessee and retire, and I'm going to die. And he had everything ready for death. He moved up there, and he did die. But I got news for you. He was not expecting to die the day he died. Everybody's expecting to live just a little bit longer. Now, this, listen to me. God said, Behold now, it is accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And you better not let this opportunity escape you. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? A little thing that I read several years ago, and I think about it every time I preach a funeral, an epitaph on a gravestone reads, Remember, friend, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, thus is you must be. So be prepared to follow me. Somebody underneath that epitaph wrote the following two lines. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. Amen. I love to go around and read the headstones, so especially up in West Florida where I was born and raised. They put everything about somebody uh, on their headstones about I heard, I, I went around reading them one day when I had buried my daddy up in the edge of Alabama there in West Florida. One of them said, here lies so-and-so, and he was shot by another man, and named the other man's uh, husband because he's running around with his wife. On his headstone. I mean, that's all kinds. Here lies somebody, and he stole the cow, and they hung him. And I mean, just right there on his headstone. And you think about it. Here lies somebody... And one of my favorites is, here lies peas. He's done shook out and gone home. Amen? I just love those kind of things. But I guarantee you, I've never met a person yet in the hospital, on their deathbed, and when they're sick, that's expecting to die right now. Right now. No, they think they're going to live just a little bit longer. Like a man I went to see in cancer in the hospital and he had a bag on his side and he stunk so bad with that old cancer coming out his side. He was in such a pitiful condition and his brother asked me to go there and try to lead him to the Lord before he died. And I went there and I said, buddy, I'll tell you how to be saved. And I went through the scriptures and he said, now preacher, he said, I'm going to get better. And when I get better, I'm going to come to your church, come down the aisle and receive Christ as my Savior. I said, buddy, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. You get saved when God's ready, not when you're ready. And God's got your heart ready. If you'll ask Him to save you right now, He will save you right here in this bed. No, no. He said, I'm going to come to your church. I'll get saved in church. The only subject is He died that night. See, He was expecting to live on. He done told me, I'm going to be alright. I'm going to be alright. No. Notice what this verse said. How great, how shall we escape not because we don't know, but because we neglect so great salvation. Don't put it off. You get saved when God deals with you. I'll never forget the night I got saved. I was 26 years old. I had no intention of getting saved. I went to that tent revival just to see what was going on. I really did. I just went sort of on a dare or something. I was invited by a friend and I went there and 
And I sit there in that thing. I said, okay, buddy, go ahead and say whatever you want to. When you do, I'm going on. I didn't, know, I didn't want no God. I didn't want no Christ. I didn't want anything to do with that. But I went there that night. When that preacher began to preach, and he preached by grace, you're saved through faith. And now you said the gift of God. And he told me, Jesus wants to give you salvation. And I sit there and God began to deal with my heart and let me know I was a sinner and I need to be saved. And down that aisle I come and accepted Christ as my Savior. I had no intention of doing that. But God brought me to Him. Amen. And I got saved when God was ready. And brother, I got news for you. You get saved and don't neglect God's salvation. And there's an emergency about it. I've never out drowned three times in my life. I remember one down in Sulphur Springs, the old pool in Sulphur Springs used to be, in, and you go off the, they had a shallow place, that's for me, you know. I weighed around in it, but my big brother, my oldest brother, he said, ah, come on, you can hold on to the side of the big pool and go around the edge of it and go down the slide, and then you just stand up when you get down in the slide, and you'll be all right. So I got around the thing and I eased around there and I went down the slide and I slid off the end of that slide and that old weed down there on the bottom coming up got around my feet and I was drowning. I come help me somebody, help me somebody. And one of the lifeguards put his hand under me and pushed me right up the shore and pumped water out of me and I lived. I weren't interested in how deep the water is. I was interested in somebody getting me out of here. Now. Amen. And what I'm trying to say is there's emergency when it comes to salvation. Don't put it off. That's the reason I tell everybody, when you have children in your house, your little boy and your little girl, your wife, your husband, don't wait. Oh, we'll cause problems if we start to cause it. Amen. Which is more emergency, seeing burning hell or having a little fuss and fight in the house? Man, I want to tell everybody I come in contact with. Jesus loves you. And He wants to save your soul. Make a decision right now. Make a decision right now. You can't make nobody get saved. But you can sure lead them to Christ. And we're to be concerned about them because it's an emergency. After death, it's too late. I think that that's where our Catholic people has made such a drastic mistake in that kind of religion. There is no purgatory. There is no place you can get in and somebody pray you out or buy you out. You must make that decision while life is still in your body. God gave you this life for one reason. And that is to live as long as God sees fit that you live, to make a decision for Him where you're going to spend eternity. And you ought to do it as soon as you can. Because the rest of your life then, you can live for Him. Amen. Father, would you bless the reading and study of Thy Word. And Father, we pray if somebody's listening today, that you'll open their ears by faith and help them see that this thing is an emergency. All this disease that's going around not now, this virus, so many people getting sick on every hand, everybody worried about it. Lord, we need to make sure that our fan, our friends and our family and those around us make a decision now for Jesus Christ.
bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.